0: Hello, my name is Matt Claussen. Welcome to the gym at Calvin Christian Collegiate in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada.
1: Welcome to... Another day in God's story. This is the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are electrified to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we all call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop on a virtual tour of Canada, we spent time at Duncan Christian School in Duncan, British Columbia with Sandy Wienstra. As we learned how thankful Darren, Justin, and I are for our elementary school teachers. One of them even gave us a friend. you will have to listen to find out who. We learned why Darren is so smart. Hint, it was Sandy. We learned conventions provide wonderful stories of which some are embarrassing. We learned that Duncan is called the City of Totems. We learned how Duncan Christian has walked faithfully through some major demographic shifts, namely embracing their Indigenous neighbours And last, how a Christian schools teacher's journey can transform their life outside of school. It was our pleasure visiting Sandy, so go and listen and tell other educators to listen as well. But -hmm. today, we are in Winnipeg, and I'm referring to us as a drove. A Winnipegian drove, Matt? Um, Yeah, I
0: wouldn't go with Winnipegian. I'd go with Winnipegger.
1: Pegger. Oh, a Pegger drove. I like that. Okay.
0: Uh, And please not uh, people from outside of Winnipeg like the joke winter Pegger. Oh, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. Not a good look. Okay. (laughs) So uh, a Pegger drove. I thought maybe a winner drove, but a Pegger drove. So to get to know our Pegger drove, we're going to start our podcast with the name segment.
2: Jeremy, I think it's a Winnipegger. Oh, not Pegger. No, No, but that was better. Maybe you can shorten it. Matt, is he allowed to shorten it?
0: That seems a little bogus. People will say like Peg City, so Winnipegger. It's
1: a little bit more... Welcome to the peg. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that works. I actually...
2: There is something that gets a little edgy when I say, Jeremy, you're such a pegger. I don't know. It just sounds... (laughs) Winnipegger. Uh, I think it's got to be Winnipegger, guys.
1: Okay, well, get to know our Winnipegger Drove. Let's Go to the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. Dderhen Vanderspeeksma.
3: Hey, Drove. Hey. Hey,
1: Darren. Darren, our prompt for today is, would you make a better chef or shelf in your kitchen?
3: Well, that's an easy one for me, Jeremy, especially if chef involves fire and a grill. We just um, bought half a cow. Okay. Grass fed, grass finished cow. And you throw a T-bone on the grill with a little salt and pepper. It is a different experience (laughs) than if you buy a steak in the regular store. I can tell you that. So I'm going chef. I love to cook. Um, I'm just blessed with the fact that I'm married to a saint who actually does the work in the kitchen better than I do. So I think I hold my own. I could be a chef rather than a shelf, but just for the record, that doesn't put me on par with the actual chef in my house.
1: Uh, Look who all of a sudden likes grass. Hey, (laughs) grass-fed cows. (laughs) Look who loves grass now.
2: Yeah, did you you start that cow in your front yard or... uh...
1: (laughs) Touche, (laughs) touche. From advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who once was stunned to see the size of his head when printed on large cutouts, Justin Cook. It's true. Hey, Canada. Oh, Canada. Canada. Justin, would you make a better chef or shelf in your kitchen? Well, we do know my last name, right? Oh,
2: Cook. Come on. But... (laughs) I am pretty proud of some like open shelves that I actually installed in my kitchen. So okay. literally I think I make a better shelf in my kitchen. Ooh. But we just had a refugee committee fundraiser in the area churches uh, that I participated in. It was incredible. They did a zoom cooking class and they mm. sent us Syrian and Iraqi ingredients to make an incredibly Arabian meal. It was amazing. I had so much fun. I made biryani. I made fatouche. Wow. And I, I made a soup that I didn't really love, actually. But the other <laughs> the other dishes were unbelievable. So I'm going she- chef and shelf. Baby. Okay. Wow. Chef and That's shelf.
1: Unnecessary. The question was or. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that, that yeah, thank you, Justin. As we heard off the top, we are honored to be we welcomed virtually into Calvin Christian Collegiate by Matt Claussen.
0: Hey, guys. How are you doing? Awesome, good. Matt. Yeah, good, we're Matt. Good. good. Good, Matt. Yeah, would, nice here.
1: would you would you make a better chef or shelf in your kitchen, Matt?
0: Um, I moved from shelf to chef. Uh, yes. I, I didn't do a lot of cooking, um, I guess, early on in adulthood. Um, but as I started to uh, hunt in adulthood, and then mm. uh, started growing a garden in my summers when I became a teacher, um, it's definitely transitioned to. I, I try to be a chef. Um, because I like to, um, I like to invite people into that, that I've been able to, to harvest, mm-hmm. um, and particularly wild meat. Cause people often turn their nose down at wild mm-hmm. meat. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's just, someone's cooked it for you wrong. So I've been trying to cook it right for people and change some minds.
3: Cool. So like, talk to me about your last successful hunt. Uh, last
0: successful hunt was a couple days ago, Friday afternoon, um i was able to sneak out right at the end of the school day Uh, i got to sit in a tree stand and with about six minutes left of legal shooting light i was able to take a nice little buck with my bow um and so i was processing that this weekend and we're going to be eating well for the next
3: little bit now awesome so just for the record i'm coming to visit uh, yeah, Manitoba nice. sometime yeah. so I'm looking forward to uh, some deer steak at some point okay. when I come to yeah. town
2: well actually good. all of Christian schools Canada is coming in September oh, so okay yeah we're,
0: yeah. we're, we're all coming Matt. okay I, I'll and, need to fill my other tags still yeah,
2: nice. and yeah. Darren Darren how did you take down that cow just out of curiosity
1: was that a bow or
3: <laughs> um, just for the record that was a back the van up to the freezer situation <laughs>
1: Uh, well, uh, thanks, Matt. I, I have come a long way. I definitely am not a shelf builder. Um, so I, I would have to go chef. Uh, but, uh, using that word quite, uh, generally cause I, I am not, a, a, I, wouldn't again qualify myself a chef, but I've come a long way. Uh, I tipped my hat a little bit in, in episode one, calling it a flam brulee. So that <laughs> gives you a sense of how good I am in the kitchen. Um, but one of the first meals I prepared for my wife was a uh, uh, what I did is I took Ichiban, uh, took the noodles, uh, boiled them in some water, took the salt from the Ichiban, uh, and I poured that over the chicken breasts that were frying on on the on the stovetop, took the chicken that was now covered in Ichiban salt, and put it on the bed of noodles, Ichiban noodles, Ichiken. Uh <laughs> <laughs> she's never asked for it again. Yeah, a little dry, uh, I would say. Yeah. Uh, not great. Um, but these days, I, I do love barbecuing. Uh, I actually end up cooking a lot uh, as my wife is a nurse, and so she's often gone during supper times, and so I've, I've come a long ways. So for the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim. Last time, we gave some shame stories but today Matt has chosen the segment. Matt, can you give us a drum roll? I'll try.
0: <clears throat>
1: flame. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: that is a great drum roll. I tried.
1: Flame. All right. So flame. Flame we've defined as something you're fired up about. So pretty broad. Darren, maybe you want to kick us off. What is something you're fired about, up about today?
3: I am fired up about people who don't turn their headlights on. (laughs) We have experienced some crazy weather for the first time that I can remember in my life. We even got hit by a tornado, which doesn't happen on the West Coast. It was crazy. And this morning on the drive into the office, it was raining harder than I've seen it in a very long time. And there are people on the freeway in the dark at six o'clock this morning without their headlights on. (laughs) And to me, that is irresponsible and absent-minded and maybe a little selfish. So a little jaded. So I'm glad you started with me so someone else can redeem this segment. But I am fired up about people who do not use their headlights.
1: Darren, do you think maybe they just haven't adapted to time change? Time change just recently happened. You know, is that... Could I give them that excuse? No, no excuse. Uh,
3: yeah, you're being more gracious than I was this morning. <laughs> let's put it that way. What I'm do excited. you do? What do you do, Darren? You fire up the high beams oh, yeah. in that you moment? Give them high or? Beams? Um, if I'm driving by myself, yes. Okay. Um, my up. wife and kids have told me that is unacceptable behavior when okay. I'm driving with them. <laughs> you're a high beamer. Mm-hmm. I hope they and, don't listen and to this podcast. If it's really bad... I'll drive up beside them and honk at them, too. Oh, boy. Just putting that out there. Wow.
1: Okay. That's like border road range right Yeah, there. this guy. It
3: speaks about uh, he's 100%, up. not border road range. <laughs> <laughs> Driving is the way that I confirm my total depravity.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Darren. Justin, is there something that's got you fired up?
2: Yeah, I was debating between the raptors and this next topic. I'm going to go with the, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast oh, yeah. by Christianity Today. Uh, you know, it, it's pretty addictive. I'm not sure if any of you guys have listened to it, but I've definitely been uh, tracking with the, uh, the, the CT uh, kind of long form podcast of the mm-hmm. Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, a church led by Mark Driscoll in Seattle. But I will say this, I've gone down the wormhole of, of this. I've also been listening and searching for some podcasts and came across Dr. Jessica Johnson, who is critiquing the podcast rise and fall of Mars Hill. And, uh, According to Jessica Johnson, the podcast doesn't do a good enough job of critiquing the systems and structures that propped up Mark Driscoll to be a charismatic leader that caused pain. So Mm -hmm. anyway, there's like multiple layers to my investigative uh, podcasting on Mm -hmm. this, and I'm pretty fired up about it. It's a a pretty powerful dive into leadership, uh, Christian governance, um, yeah, all kinds of things, character. Male and female relationships, lots of mm. lots of different ways you can get into the podcast.
1: Justin, uh, yeah, great uh, recommendation. Uh, one that I was uh, also thinking about uh, talking about. you Use the acronym CT. Um, oh yeah, a CT. True. So I, I know what it is, but I usually throw out something ridiculous. Um, so I'm thinking what canadian trucks i don't know what I've, i have nothing
3: i've got can't talk can't because talk. it would be fitting that a, a long-form podcast would be called can't talk oh, yeah, i like that
1: uh Justin, where would people who's put producing it
2: well it's christianity today and uh that's otherwise kind of like playfully known as billy graham's magazine right. i think he's the guy who started it back in the
0: day so
1: thank you matt what are you fired up about today
0: uh, well, you know, it's fall. Um, and so I, I'm fired up about, uh, the hunting seasons that are around, uh, for us right now. Um, myself and my hunting buddies are, are planning our next outings. Um, it's It's the time of year as a hunter, like we're geared up for this time of year. This is when all the magic happens outside. (laughs) Uh, And whether you get something or not, like to be able to experience uh, what's happening is pretty amazing.
2: What does that, Matt, what does that look like specifically? So like, you know, you're setting the alarm for when? You know, I don't.
0: Well, right now I'm not doing as many morning hunts just because it's tricky with with, uh, the family. But when I do, it's setting the alarm at. Four thirty 30 in the morning. Right. And it's usually a bit of a drive out somewhere. So you can get somewhere you want to be set up in a spot before, before the sun's up. Right. So if sun up is right now, seven o'clock or so, uh, then you're in your spot by six 30 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an early morning and it's a long day and you're pretty exhausted by the end of it. Mm-hmm.
1: But mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Matt, what do you like, what, what's something you just love about hunting? What, what what gets you excited about it to me it's
0: just it's being out there um there's so many things that if you weren't outside you wouldn't have a chance to experience um i mean i love the hunting part and i love the the food part of it that i get out of it um but i don't get that from every hunt right i'm not successful every hunt but i do see something new every time i'm outside mm-hmm. um and, you know, I say to, like, my kids, my own kids, when we're outside, and we see something like that, I say, like, imagine if we were just stuck at home, we wouldn't have experienced that. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it's, yeah. it's all those extras
3: that I like. Yeah, I love that, uh, Matt. Jeremy, what are you fired up about?
1: I recently came across a, an organization um, website called Think Christian. Uh, their motto is, no such thing as secular. Mm -hmm. Um, When you read about them, they say that they're a digital magazine that strives to consider how popular culture and its cultivators interact with God's story. Uh, A couple things stood out to me when they'll they'll use four questions to kind of guide their uh, thinking around interacting with something uh, of our culture. So uh, one of the questions, how does this show, movie, music, game or piece of online culture interact with God's story? Does this piece of pop culture provide evidence of our need for the good news? Does it echo the gospel in some fashion? And does it contradict our our understanding of the world in a way that deserves a loving response? So I just love Mm -hmm. those questions. I think people could use that in film studies and art appreciation and novel studies. And I just want to read their response, kind of their their about us response to that first question about whether this cultural interacts with God's story. So this will give you a glimpse into kind of what they're trying to do. God's story, as told in the Bible, is one of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. All human activity, including creativity, takes place against that backdrop. And so we see the songs, movies, games, and apps we encounter as subplots within God's story, creative attempts by image-bearing people to describe the human experience within this larger salvation narrative. Sometimes this is the intention of the artist, sometimes it's not. In this light, Kendrick Lamar's lyrical delivery captures the beauty and intricacy of God's created order. Jaws, the movie, reveals how nature itself was distorted by the fall, or a reality show like This Old House serves as a parable of redemption, and Black Panther offers a vision of Zion, celebrating the colorful possibility of God's good creation fully restored. God's story encompasses all stories if we're willing to look for it, even in a mobile game like Harry Potter, wizards unite. So there's also a science section, Seeing God in Science. It embodies kind of our, you know, every square centimeter mantra. It's Abraham Kuyper's quote, there can be nothing in this universe that fails to express, to incarnate the revelation of the thought of God. Uh, really neat articles in there. So yeah, I recommend teachers maybe to go take a look. Uh, if you're grappling with this idea of Lord of All, it, um, I just recently listened to a podcast of theirs where they talked about Megan the Stallion, who I you know, don't know much about, but trying to redeem and look at her as and uh and her, her place in the world. So interesting stuff. Go take a look or listen if you have a chance.
3: All I know is I'm glad I went first. And like <laughs> I expected, you guys redeemed this section. <laughs> so thank you all for your contributions. What yes. do we got? We got
1: headlights, rise and fall of Mars Hill, hunting and Think Christian. So listeners, tell us something you're fired up about right now. You can tweet us at every square centimeter or send us a message on Instagram with the same handle. Guys, you want to guess how many followers we have on Instagram right now? 17. (laughs) 17. That's pretty good. Darren, what do you got?
3: 62.
1: Okay, we're about in the middle. 31. Hey, thank you to those 31 (laughs) followers out there. Um, We're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little bit about places, Canada and celebrate the people and practices in Christian education, but before we do, here's a word from a sponsor we're fired up about, Edudeo.
4: Hi, my name is Carla Elblas and I teach grades 7 and 8 at Providence Christian School in Dundas, Ontario. For the past four years, my class has partnered with Edudeo Ministries to help raise money for their annual campaign project. Each year, money is raised to help students in schools across the globe to have a better education by providing necessities such as clean drinking water, computers, and safe places to live. Participating in fundraising projects in partnership with EduDeo has challenged my students to think beyond themselves and has given them the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others in a tangible and meaningful way. If you'd like to learn more about ways that you can partner with Edudeo in their annual campaign, you can contact Lori Koning by emailing schools at edudeo.com.
1: As we heard off the top, Matt teaches at Calvin Christian Collegiate in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Before Justin tells us about Winnipeg, I know we talked about it earlier. I just want to shout out and make clear to everyone that the 2022 Christian Schools Canada Conference will hopefully be held in person in Winnipeg, in the last week of September. So the week of September 26th. So Justin, maybe uh, this can be even a little bit of a, you know, a sell job on, on Winnipeg. Uh, what, what have you got for us?
2: Absolutely. It not, it's not hopefully Jeremy, come on, we'll be I there. Know. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. All right. Well, fellas, first off, Winnipeg has something I haven't seen in our every square centimeter journeys to other Canadian cities. They've got a document called the Winnipeg indigenous accord. Mm-hmm. subtitled Our Shared Future Rooted in Truth, Harmony, and Generosity. It's a single-pager, really succinct, but really powerful commitment to truth and reconciliation, and our, I'm going to quote from it for our land acknowledgment. The name Winnipeg has its origins in the Cree name given to Lake Winnipeg, win, money, and Nippe, water. Winnipeg is located within Treaty No. 1 territory, the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, the Inanoo, the Oji Cree, the Dene, and Dakota, and is the birthplace of the Métis Nation and the heart of the Métis Nation homeland. People from around the world have come to call Winnipeg home and the community prides itself in its cultural diversity. Uh, I'd be happy to put the Winnipeg Indigenous Accord in the show notes. I think it's really worth looking at from a city perspective, a commitment to truth and reconciliation. So, guys, I know I named the origin of the city name and its Cree connection to Lake Winnipeg. But, you know, those of you who have been downtown to the Forks, Mm. you know that Winnipeg's a river town. And, uh, you know, located at the junction of the Red and the Assiniboine Rivers, which incidentally, quiz time, is almost at the geographic center of Canada. Nope. North America. Yep. The Geographic Center of North America, Winnipeg. I, I was pretty blown away by that, actually. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Right at the forks. That's why it's – I don't think that's why it's the forks, but it that could be.
0: <laughs>
2: so uh, Winnipeg started as a Hudson Bay Company trading post, which I think we also mentioned about Nanaimo back in uh, season one. I'm, I'm actually curious. How many cities in Canada started mm-hmm. – as basically like a Hudson Bay company thing. That's pretty fascinating to me. 45. Eight, how many?
1: <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought we were guessing. Uh, sorry. Oh, I, that no, that wasn't a quiz.
2: I actually, okay. I'm
1: genuinely wondering,
2: Jeremy. I, I have no idea,
3: but uh, your guess redeem, is 45?
1: I was trying to redeem myself from the Canada one. So Nice,
3: gotcha. Yeah. Let's uh, put that out to our listeners. Oh, yeah, tell us. Tell us, because yeah, uh, we, we're not doing that
2: research. Let's be realistic. No, we need to know.
3: Okay, 1886,
2: the first CPR train arrives from Montreal to Winnipeg, and the city's growing ever since, and then they put a ton of wheat in those train cars as they go you know, on everywhere else. Uh, thank you, Prairies. So, Matt, you, you alluded to this earlier. I, I wasn't really kind of clued into this, but apparently, even though Winnipeg is so committed to hospitality, you know, other Canadians like to hate on Winnipeg, like winter peggers, he said. That's pretty derogatory. That's not cool. I think it's just basically because the rest of us are wimps and we can't handle a little cold. Uh, that's, to, to me, probably the story there.
0: I don't know. You got a thought a on Winnipegger, that? Now? A Winnipegger would not deny that comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we pride ourselves. I mean, minus 40, plus 40 here, oh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we deal with it all. So
2: That is amazing. Uh, so I do actually know the coldest day on record, at, at least at the website I looked at, minus 47.8 back in December 1879. Oof. So yeah, it's cold. Yep. So second of all, Matt, I, you must get this all the time. Any relation to Cindy Clausen?
0: No, um, I, our family knows their family a little bit. My brother grew up with, uh, with her brother. Uh, I have actually spent a very little bit of time at their cabin when I was a teenager, but we are not related. Cool. That's yeah. that's
2: close enough, man. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So Cindy Clausen is a Winnipegger. Uh,
2: yeah. She's the first Olympic medalist in speed skating to win five in a single game and the only Canadian to do it. That's pretty amazing. Uh, won the Lou Marsh Trophy in 2006 for the best uh, Canadian athlete of the year. Also, guys, I'm a big Neil Young fan. Uh, I, Neil Young got his career really going mm-hmm. out of Winnipeg in the '60s, and that's probably the the kind of uh, the music from him that I love the most, to be honest with you. And then I, we got to mention the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It's mm-hmm. the first national museum to be located out of the Ottawa area. Uh, it's 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 been a highlight of my cross Canadian adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, just really want to shout out to that. And again, just a reminder, Christian Schools Canada coming to the Forks in Winnipeg, September 2022. The pod's going to be there. Every square centimeter will be there in Winnipeg. We'll see you there.
1: And connected to, it will be highly connected to uh, the the museum. So uh, another great reason to to check it out. Matt, how did you end up in Winnipeg?
0: Yeah, Winnipeg's been home for me. I was born in Winnipeg. Um, My... My dad, when he came to Canada, when he was three from Germany, his family moved to, well, they were supposed to go to a farm just outside of Winnipeg. And then I think they ended up coming to Winnipeg instead. Um, and then my mom ended up moving here as a as a young woman and they met together here. Uh, so I've been in Winnipeg my whole life.
3: Awesome. So it's a great city. I've got family connections there, so I love it. But what about you? Like, what are you, what's your favorite thing about the city? Um.
0: In terms of the city, we've got lots of great stuff that goes on. Um, Lots of good cultural events in the summer. We've got Folklorama and Folk Fest, um, music festivals. Um, Really good food in Winnipeg. uh, My wife and I love to eat. We're kind of wannabe foodies. Um, So, yeah, lots of good restaurants. I think I heard that Winnipeg has the most restaurants per capita in Canada. Hmm. I think. Don't quote me on it, but.
1: Our listeners will will have to uh, fact, fact check and yeah. fact check me. Yeah.
3: Good. Um, so I love the coffee scene in Winnipeg enough that I said for Christian Schools Canada, I'm willing to host a morning coffee walk with anyone who wants to do good coffee. Um, Fools and horses, the parlor, that sort of thing. But like, do you have? Can you list your top three top three restaurants in the city that you've experienced? I know I got, everyone has their different opinions, but uh, I got a pen.
2: I got a pen in hand. I'm writing this down. I'm coming.
0: I'll, so I'll tell you my top three, but I also want to plug a coffee shop. Nice. Uh, since you're talking coffee, my office mate uh, is likely going to be o- opening a coffee shop soon. Um, I don't know how much details I can say, but yeah, watch out for, for a hey, new coffee shop. Excellent. Love that. This, yes. We're
1: teasing something on the podcast here. This is uh, a, yeah,
0: there you go. Yep.
1: Yeah. You'll Frankie have to listen news. for another
0: one. Maybe we'll, we'll unveil the name. Nice. Sounds good. Um, but for restaurants, um, Inferno's Bistro in St. Boniface is fantastic. Um, lots of bold flavors there. Um, for Chinese food, the Plaza is a small little place um, in Elmwood. Uh, and I've tried all... Well, not I haven't tried all of them. I've tried a lot of chinese restaurants in the city (laughs) the the plaza is the best we keep going back and we order Mm. anything off the menu it's all good we actually did a we went with a couple one time where we had a random number generator and we just randomly select the numbers on the menu it was all good um number three tacos um habanero sombrero and they have one of those at the forks it's fantastic Mm
3: -hmm. yeah it is i that's the only one that i've had the opportunity to enjoy um and i would uh I would agree with you there. Yeah,
2: That's awesome.
0: Matt, uh, tell us about uh, Calvin Christian Collegiate. Yeah, so Calvin Christian um, School, we've got two campuses. Uh, There's the elementary campus and then the collegiate where I work. Uh, So uh, my campus is a 7 to 12 campus. We're relatively small. I think we're around 200 students right now. Um, We've got a great staff. I've worked here for, this is year 16, uh, really great staff, and we've got a good mix of people who are right around my level of experience, maybe twelve to twenty years, um, mixing that with students who are in the three to five year range. As pardon me, teachers in the three to five year range, um, and so we have a mix of experience and like youthful energy, which uh, I think is a good balance on staff. You got a favorite place in the school? A couple, yeah, <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> I like the gym. I'm a phys ed teacher primarily. Um, and we, we built a new gym. We unveiled a new gym in 2015. Um, and I love it. We used to like our school is a former elementary school. So the gym that we first had was, was quite small, um, for high school sport. Uh, and now we have a nice new gym. It's got a fitness room upstairs. We've got um, glass backboards all around the gym. Uh, as a basketball guy, like I love it. And people <laughs> mm-hmm. people in the city are loving it now too. Uh, it gets lots of use. And then I also really like our staff room just because I, I do connect well with our staff. Um, and it's a place at some point in the day I get to connect with uh, people that I call friends. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so that's, it's good.
2: Matt, can you tell us a little bit about what your classroom might look like, whether it's the gym or another uh, space
0: without any budget constraints whatsoever? Um, I think outdoor ed comes to mind Hmm. um, because I have lots of dreams about what we could do with outdoor ed. And so if there were no budget constraints for that, it would be hiking backpacks for every student and uh, lightweight tents and roll-up mm-hmm. sleeping mats and cook stoves and canoes and all of that stuff where we can go adventure together. Um, those those would be high on my list for sure. So what I love about that is, you know, I
2: ask about a classroom. You're like, "Now let's skip the classroom. <laughs> let's get outdoors and let's buy a, bu- a boatload of really cool gear and tools. Um, that to me is a fantastic response. I'm inspired by that.
0: The issue is, uh, like kids are limited by that stuff. Otherwise, mm-hmm. right. Um, there is a barrier to entry with that. So if we had it, man, the things we could do. And I, you know, it, to me, so
2: if I have a poor sleeping bag and some adult takes me outdoors for the winter, you know what I mean? I'm in trouble at that moment. Like mm-hmm. to me, yeah. It, yeah, the gear matters, the quality of the gear matters. Having taken some students on a, on a winter camping experience myself was amazing. But the gear played a huge role in the success of the experience, for sure.
0: Definitely.
3: Yeah, I know. I get that, too. And I, I also love that. And I love that we're putting this on the podcast because there's got to be a donor out there somewhere that's like, <laughs> yes, I hey, love so. this. Uh, let's make this happen. <laughs> um, if you, you know, if we're going to now constrain you a little bit, um, given your present circumstances, how would you describe that ideal learning experience. Do you have a story with that or just some criteria of like, I know we're firing on all cylinders when X happens.
0: Yeah. To me, the ideal learning experience is, is doing like you're going out and your hands are being put to something. Um, For good reason. We spend a lot of time theorizing about things um, in school, but, To actually do it makes a difference, right? And to actually make mistakes makes a difference. Um, I've taken kids camping before. And the first time we went camping, we spent some time talking about building a fire and then we went on our camping trip and it would take students 45 minutes, an hour to boil Mm -hmm. a pot of water. (laughs) Right. And so for me, that was a mistake that I made. Okay. We got to practice this hands-on before we go. And so now every year we have a day where we go out and it's, you make a fire um, with limited supplies and you make the mistakes ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Then when we go on our camping trip, we're set. We're ready Mm -hmm. to go.
3: Awesome.
1: Matt, what, what story are you trying to invite students into uh, in an outdoor ed or in your, in in the grades, your subjects you're teaching?
0: Yeah. When I think outdoor ed, it's, you know, we go back to the stories in Genesis um, and the stories in Genesis are, we're called to partner in caring for the earth. Genesis 2 talks about that we tend and till the earth. We're called to work. And so I want to get students to invo- be involved with that. It's not, uh, well, this is the world we have and I, I exploit it. But no, we're coming to work. And I, I mean, look at our world right now. There is some work that needs to be done uh, to make it right. Right. But that's what we're asked to do. And I'd rather stay away from the doom and gloom side of that stuff. Mm. Th- there are some, there is some bad news, mm. right? Potentially. Um, what did I hear from someone recently that, uh, researchers are saying there's 60 harvests left on the earth if we don't change our practices. Um, and that's sobering, but we can also change our practices and that then we might not be facing that doom and gloom.
3: So off the top, as we were preparing for this, Matt, we we talked about gardens and passions. Can you talk to us a little bit more about um, passions you have outside of officially work that you've been able to bring in and just add to the learning experience for students?
0: Yeah. Um, so I spent a lot of time fishing in my personal life growing up. I spent a lot of time fishing and it was uh adults who knew some things who helped show me the way with that. So uh, that's one that I started right away with outdoor ed. Um, we did an ice trip uh, ice fishing trip, I think the first year that I taught outdoor ed. And it's great to get outside. For many kids, it's a first experience. Uh, and then while we're there we can start to learn things about proper stewardship of a resource. Um, you know mm-hmm. if we catch 40 fish in a day, we're not going to keep all 40 fish because that wouldn't be responsible stewardship.
1: Mm-hmm. Matt, you, I got two questions for you. So just do, do one at a time. One, like when you, when you have an idea for something like that, uh, what struggles do you face? Like what, that's a, seems like a big, big undertaking, uh, to do something like an ice fishing trip. So first off, just what kind of challenges, struggles do you face when you plan things like that?
0: Yeah, something like that, it's um, similar to what we talked about earlier, was barrier with equipment, right? So mm-hmm. initially we uh, we had a donor and I was able to get some equipment to get some ice fishing rods for the school um, that are ours now. Um, there are barriers in terms of just making sure students have proper winter clothes to be outside. Ice fishing is not a... Um, not a cardio activity right (laughs) so you're you're sitting pretty still so to stay warm you need you need good clothes to be out Mm -hmm. there um, or somewhere to get warm and so i guess those would be the barriers and then just getting kids used to not being distracted right Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to miss a bite if you're talking on your or you're texting on your Mm -hmm. phone (laughs) the whole time you're out there or drop Mm -hmm. your phone down the hole or
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matt, to follow up, w- what other competing stories are you facing in education as you invite kids into these types of experiences?
0: Yeah, one of the things I think that has been a struggle um, is the idea that um, outdoor ed uh, doesn't prepare you for the real world, right? Doesn't prepare you for university. Um, and I've I've dealt with some of that. I I actually remember this first time I was doing this ice fishing trip. Um, and I was asking for some advice on some local fishing forums. And I remember one person who was saying, this is why Manitoba is lowest in math and science. And, (laughs) but, but this is also, if I go on those forums, people are complaining about, um, people who are fishing, who don't know the regulations. Well, Mm -hmm. we're teaching that stuff Mm -hmm. in the class, right? Mm -hmm. Um, people are complaining about how kids don't go out and fish anymore. Well, <laughs> we can change that somehow there, just mm-hmm. because it's not traditional school that we've seen before doesn't mean it can't be included in school. Um, I had another I had a parent one time say, "Well, isn't ice fishing a little bit frivolous um, mm. and i I disagree I, I think there's um, there's much to gain as we get outside and experience creation mm.
3: Well, and I don't want to be too cynical, but if we're only 60 harvests away from the last harvest, I'm, I'm pretty happy I know how to fish <laughs> at that stage because um, the oceans are getting bigger. So um, I figure there may yeah. be some fish around. Um, what I love about hearing your story, Matt, is your connection between your teaching and your personal faith. Can you talk to us a little bit about how your faith has impacted your practice and maybe how you stay connected to your faith? As, as you do the challenging job of, of teaching middle schoolers and high schoolers? Yeah, you
0: know, um, I discovered fairly early on that um, being in creation is where I felt closest to God. Uh, and that's not to say I don't experience God when I'm in a church uh, worshiping with others, but there is something intimate about being outside and being in his creation. Um, I mean, again, we go back to the beginning story in the Bible. We are in creation. We're immersed. We're in the garden with God. And so that's, that's where my faith often gets rejuvenated. And I feel closest to God. Um, I can think about the first time I was in the mountains, uh, as a young teenager, and I had one of those, okay, God is real kind of moments, mm. right? Um, or have you guys, there's, do I have Albertans here or BC, right?
3: One yeah,
0: here. Al- One Alberta, here. BC. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard an elk bugle ever?
1: Mm.
0: Yes. What crazy like, eerie ethereal sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, I don't know. There's gotta be some, some kind of connection there, right? We hear about the animals and the trees. will we'll praise if we don't. Uh, there's something there. You know, I was almost going to say show notes, but that no
2: way we can show notes. You got to get out there. I mean, mm-hmm. that, what a terrible yes. response to what Matt you're <laughs> saying. That I'm going to like get some <laughs> internet recording of an elk bugle.
0: It, shame on me. Yeah, but. It'll terrify somebody.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I'd like to. Oh, I'd like to say you know the the lone wolf mm-hmm. too, or wolves yeah. on a hunt is another one of those sounds that are just yeah moving. What strikes yeah, thank you for me that
2: actually, I I, I want to thank you for something that's been kind of clarified for me, especially when you talk about, you know, yeah, we got we got to take seriously climate change and some of the despair aspects of environment, and you know, yeah, that matters. Of course, it matters. But I I hadn't thought about the fact that it is in a sense a competing story to the immersion creation story. Uh, in Genesis that you're highlighting too, you know, that we were made for immersion, creational immersion. And, and sometimes we, we talk about competing stories as wrong. Maybe there's competing stories that are also right, but let's just make sure that's not the only story we take time to tell. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. So, so yeah, you've, you've really made that clear for me, which I really appreciate. Matt, do you, so, you know, we talk about faith and earth care and, and immersion. is Christ in the woods with you? What? How do you, how do you experience Christ Himself in the midst of your faith, uh, in in either your work or
0: in your own faith life? You know, there's lots of uh, there's lots of quiet outside when you spend time outside, especially when you get out by yourself. And actually, when I when I work with uh, students outside, I often try and give opportunities where they can get outside by themselves. Obviously, there needs to be some supervision involved there too, but give them some space on their own. Um, and when we have a chance to slow down outside, uh, and put our phones away, God is there. Um, the Holy Spirit works in those moments. And so for my, myself, personally, um, I spend time, I spend time in prayer when I'm in quiet in the woods, right? And I spend time trying to be contemplative about what God is calling me to do. It's one of the few moments that I still have that I can be still and uh, not have distractions. Mm. And so that in itself is an opportunity to, to see God and to see Jesus.
3: Mm. That's great, Matt. I, I can picture it as you're, as you're talking and uh, I'm connecting. We can't always be in the wild uh how about that sort of like you're describing sort of a partnership in a way of being as you're in nature but what about when you're not in nature how do you live in that partnership with god in your role uh in the day-to-day when you when you can't get out in, into the blind just before just before dark
0: so are we talking about engaging with students or on my
3: own Oh, both work. Um, Obviously, we're a podcast that celebrates Christian education, so at some point we should swing around to students. But you know, either would we'll take either. I um, in engaging with
0: students, I want to lead them to moments to be in awe and wonder
3: in creation.
0: Mm. Um, That's important to me, and it's it's there. uh, But you have to draw kids' attention to it sometimes. Uh, we went on a camping trip a couple of years ago to a place called the turtle mountains in uh, Southwestern Manitoba. And one evening we had a chance to go, um, fish at a little lake nearby where we were camping. And so I brought about half the students with me, the other half stayed back with some other supervisors. Um, and while we were there, we stumbled across a turtle that was digging a nest and laying its eggs. Hmm. and it was so determined Hmm. that we were, we were right there. It was just doing its work. And so I had a group of about six students. We tried to, you know, protect the space, keep our distance, but also observe like what a miracle is going on. Hmm. Um, But it, it stops short. If you say, wow, that turtle is really neat. Um, It needs to go further. Right. Who created the turtle, (laughs) Mm. right? Mm. Who created, who puts all Mm. of these things in order? Who makes these things happen that we don't see often? It just happens. Um, Mm. It's our God. Mm. Uh, And if I can get kids outside to experience that, that's pretty cool. So...
2: Obviously we're playing kind of, you know, on Kuiper with every square centimeter. And, and we, we kind of on a surface level, talk about Winnipeg and Nanaimo and Duncan and Calgary and, you know, Oakville, et cetera. But Matt, what you're helping to do is to say every square centimeter also includes the ice hole. It includes the turtle nest. Mm -hmm. It includes, you know, the, et cetera, the bugle, the elk bugle and, I just think that is so profoundly important for us to keep in mind. Um, that's what that's what every square centimeter also includes when we think about Christian
1: education. It also includes beekeeping. You mentioned something about beekeeping uh, to me earlier. Uh, tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, well, this year we uh, or this past spring we have got involved in some urban beekeeping at our school uh, through our outdoor ed program. Um it started with a bit of a well, it started with this idea of working hands-on. And I had a friend who said, Oh, there's a group in the city that they host hives uh, and they offer some learning opportunities. And we looked into it. They've got great programs, um, but it wasn't a right fit for us, mostly due to those budgetary constraints. Um, so flash forward a couple more years and Um, this same friend, his wife has now certified to become a beekeeper online Mm -hmm. and the course is relatively uh, affordable. And so in speaking with my principal again, we said, well, why don't we, why don't we give it a shot? So uh, while many of us were learning from home last spring, uh, I also took an online uh, beekeeping course. Mm -hmm. And uh, right at the end of June, we acquired four hives uh, for Calvin Christian Collegiate.
2: Beekeeping, outdoor education, can we get a bit practical about how that actually fits into the curriculum program at, at Calvin? So I'm assuming there's phys ed courses and you've just found a way to carve out significant structure or time within the phys ed course or am I missing it completely? Can you just talk about what it looks like in the in the larger curriculum
0: map? Sure. So when we were looking at this, we were trying to see where it could fit in a bunch of places. Uh, For me, first, it was um, my outdoor ed class specifically. So outdoor ed is um, these experiences. I've talked about ice fishing, camping, um, some bushcraft kind of stuff. Uh, We do some gardening here at the school already. Um, But I'm always thinking, what can we do here? Uh, Because we can't go on a field trip every day. Right. I can't board a bus every day and leave. And so the beekeeping was a thought of, well, we can, we can host some bees. And if you guys have read anything about what's happening with bees in the world right now, mm-hmm. uh, it's not great. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've lost 25% of our bee population since the nineties mm-hmm. and, and bees pre- play a uh, pretty significant roles. Um They Mm -hmm. pollinate up to 80% of our plants. I think it is 30% of um, the food that we eat relies on pollinators. Um, And so we thought if we can partner with this, if we can get these hives in the school um, and then we can start doing things with it, like planting our own pollinator garden. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. now we can be part of that earth keeping system where we're taking care of the bees The bees are taking care of the plants. Um and it's it's a little piece. Four hives isn't a lot, um, but it's something. Mm -hmm. And then our science teachers are getting really excited Mm -hmm. about this, right? Because now we've got, well, there's ecosystems Mm -hmm. right here. Um, and we've got talk about um our computer design courses. Well, we can design a logo if we're gonna sell some honey. We're we're gonna sell some honey, which uh, you know, there's some <laughs> some business applications there within the school, uh, so there's all all of a sudden a whole lot of connections that can mm-hmm. be made with uh, classwork.
3: That's fantastic, Matt. Uh, I'd like to just go on record to say that I think the the planning team for the Christian Schools Canada conference should. Um, be incorporating some of the honey there. They'll be willing to put honey purchase oh. in their budget. <laughs> um, if it's coming from, from Sounds Jeremy good. has good, good reviews. Make it, uh, make it happen, Jeremy, make it yeah. happen. <laughs> already here first. Um, this has been a treat, Matt. I'm just wondering before we, we get close to the end here, is there anything we didn't ask you about that is still sort of on your heart that you, uh, you want to share with our, our listeners? Um,
0: you know, I just think with, With learning, the theme of my outdoor ed uh, classes is hands-on, making mistakes, actually experiencing. Um, We sit in the classroom sometimes too long. And I'm a phys ed teacher, right? So I like to move as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we can actually do uh, that, that is what for me has engaged me uh, in caring about the earth more. Mm. Um, And I want that for students as well, right? Hands-on, make mistakes, try something. And those are where learning experiences happen. Mm. Uh, And that's really not much different than how we experience our faith as well, Mm. right? We grow when we make mistakes, uh, when we try
1: things. Matt, uh, I want to thank you for sharing your passions with us. I, I love how you invite your students into your passions, the passions that God has given you, Uh, And we're going to now transition to something we call Celebration of Learners. To be inducted into the esteemed Every Square Centimeter Celebration of Learners Gallery, you need to join us on our podcast. Thank you, Matt. Share a bit of your journey and have at least one person write something nice about you. And Today, that person is Shannon Smith, Principal at Calvin Christian Collegiate. This is what she had to say, Matt. Matt is an avid outdoorsman and has brought this passion into his teaching. I'm glad that you mentioned that or else uh, we might not think she was telling the truth. (laughs) Enjoying the outdoors and marveling at creation is a form of worship for Matt. He shares this passion with his students as he has added ice fishing, snowshoeing, and camping experiences into his courses. New to us this year is the addition of Urban Beehives thanks to Matt's initiative. In the staff room, Matt's easygoing yet competitive nature emerges. He strategizes hockey pool picks and playfully banters with colleagues. He is the reigning pickleball champion and maybe even table tennis staff champion, but he would not tell you himself, which he hasn't. So that's good. Glad you had not earlier in the podcast. <laughs> He can be found inserting movie quotes or song lyrics at just the right time, thanks to his job at Pick a Flick during his university days. That sounds like a story. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Matt values people and invests in them. He is thoughtful, contemplative, and steadfast professionally and personally. He readily helps and pitches in wherever needed. To know him is to have an immediate, trustworthy friend. Hmm. Matt truly is a blessing to the collegiate campus community at Calvin Christian in Winnipeg. From Shannon.
0: Shannon, uh, Shannon and I shared an office together for, I think the first 10 years or 11 years of my teaching. Um, so we know each other really well. Um, Mm -hmm. it's very, very kind. She she speaks nicely of me.
1: (laughs) Well, Matt, we've seen that, uh, tonight, uh, as we've got to know each other here. Uh, if anyone wants to connect to you, how could they do that?
0: Probably the best way is just to reach my school email. So it's class and m at calvinchristian.mb.ca.
1: Awesome. And listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast as well. So email us at centimeter at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate or just share a fun teacher antidote and we'll uh, share it on, the, on, the, on our show. Before Darren sends us off with a blessing, I want to thank you, Matt, for hosting our Drove today and ask if anyone knows what group of animals form a drove. I'm going to go with Justin to start us off. Drove of what? All right. I'm going uh, Manitoba ferrets. Ooh, a drove of ferrets. Okay. Darren, what do you got?
3: It sounds like it should be a land animal, but I'm still going with pelican. Pelican.
1: Okay. You were uh, you're coming <laughs> off a little bit of a streak. You got the last one right, Darren, so it's exciting.
3: A one episode streak. That's I think that's Matt, the record you, so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. Matt, what do you think?
0: I know a couple things that I think it's not. <laughs> but I don't know what. So I don't know. We we've got a lot of beavers in Manitoba. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Drove yep. of beavers. Do beavers drove?
1: Yeah, that sounds good as well. <laughs> totally uh, they do. I should have picked something, you know, outdoorsy hunting, um, but I I didn't. Um, I don't know, again, why I end up on these things. I click on, you know, Winnipeg sites and this is what comes up. So it's a shrew, a drove of shrews, S-H-R-E-W. If you're lucky enough to see a shrew, you'll notice that it moves rapidly with rapid jerky movements. This isn't because you're scared it. Shrews just live fast and furious. Your most highly caffeinated type A colleague will appear downright slothful compared to a shrew. While this varies among species, a shrew's heart rate beats between 800 and 1,000 times per minute. They're in constant motion, rarely stopping to sleep. They have a high metabolism, which means they have to eat a lot. So here's what some of their adaptations. They actually, if a shrew doesn't eat within a few hours, it dies. So they need constant food. So what they do is live hoarding, okay? So what they do is they they will paralyze a creature and keep it alive. So the shrew can move it to a cache while it's paralyzed and available for when the hunting is not going so great. These are pretty detestable little animals, let me tell you. <laughs> for an animal to eat that has to eat constantly, this it keeps a fresh, unsavory meal always at the ready. True bites on humans are reportedly painful, but that pain will go away. But it says here in this website, be very, very glad these animals are not larger. So my question for you is, what's something in your life that you're glad is not larger than it actually is? And while you're thinking about that, I'll give my answer, so i give you a second. And and right now, I am glad that my six-year-old is not larger than he actually is. He is a bundle of energy, and he's now in hockey, and he, he is running over kids, not because he wants to, but because he's... Not a great skater yet. And if he was larger than he is, he would be hurting kids. He was just absolutely out of control. So what is something that you're glad is not larger in your life right now?
3: Darren. Well, I am a dog person who happens to live in a house with a cat. And I would say (laughs) once a week, I'm sitting on the couch and the cat looks at me. With this certain look, and I think to myself, it's looking at me thinking, yeah, it's too bad. He's too big to eat. So I'm glad Uh, my cat is not bigger than it is.
1: Love it. Justin, what do you got?
2: Well, I'm kind of stuck back on uh, (laughs) duck-sized
1: horses. (laughs) Yeah, that one's tough to get out of your head. What do you got, Matt? Anything that uh, you're glad is not larger than it is in your life?
0: Um, I think I'm probably happy my appetite isn't larger than it actually is because I, I, like, I like good food.
1: <laughs> Although it does sound like you are uh, hunting enough food to keep up with your appetite at this point. so
0: Should be okay for now.
1: Should be okay. Darren, nice. can you close us off with a blessing?
3: Happy to. Um, this is a blessing, listeners. Matt, Jeremy, Justin, um, hear these words. Grant us an abundance of your wisdom. Prepare our hearts to welcome and love those we meet. Give us grace as we help students who aren't thriving, courage to say what needs to be said, tools and knowledge on how and when to speak love, and the strength when we feel weak. When we feel unseen, remind us that no moment goes unnoticed. We are overwhelmed with gratitude for the gift of learning that we get to share with your children, Lord. Bless us that we may see even just a glimpse of how your faithfulness will forever help us impact generations to come. Amen.
1: Amen. Stay encouraged, educators.
4: We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.